Just a few minutes after we wrapped recording on this episode of Starship Therapies, the captain and I received news that one of the greats in fandom history um, passed away. I'm sure many of you know I'm talking about Stan Lee. Um, I know that he was such an important figure to so many of us. Um, in my life, certainly. Um, I think he changed the course, the trajectory of where I was going. Um, I think I was about seven or eight when I started getting into um, Stanley and Marvel's X-Men. Um, I'm pretty sure I found out about it via the the great, and I will, I will go to the wall on this one, the great 1990s cartoon. Um, and then, of course, discovered them at my local comic book shop, would ride my bike there daily, especially in the summer, to check for new issues. I remember writing like letters in after I finished um, the most recent X-Men issue to give my thoughts because I was certain that at nine they were definitely needed. Um, but perhaps one of the memories that is really standing out for me most right now is I, I think that McDonald's did a limited run. It was either McDonald's or we picked them up at some uh, garage sale. Um, and they were like X-Men videotapes. I know, friends, this was back in the days of VHS. And um, I think they had like two or three of the X-Men cartoon episodes on them. And then at the end, after the episodes were all over, there were interviews with some of the original um, comic book writers um, from the back in the OG days of the X-Men. And of course, the panel was headed by Stan Lee. Um, and I can, I can picture him now because, of course, I watched um, that panel discussion, oh my gosh, over and over and over again. Um, and I think what struck me so much about it was how much just love and joy and excitement that you could see he had for these characters um, that he had helped create. Um, and it, it, I think in some ways it made my love for them even more real. And I think also in looking back valid, um, we talk a lot on the podcast about the power of parasocial um, attachment relationships or fandom attachment, as we kind of like to call it here. Um, and I, I do think that that's something that is giving, that we're, we're giving kind of more and more um, credence to um, in this day and age. But when I was coming of age, I, I definitely, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel like my, my love for X-Men or comics was taken very seriously by uh, any of my, my elders or my betters. So to see Stan Lee, um, who, you know, in my mind was very much, uh, you know, the, the, the grandfather of the comic book world, um, bring such love and joy to these characters who meant so much to me. Um, it was so incredibly powerful. And I and all of us here in the Starship Therapies have just want to express so much gratitude to Stanley and all of the 
characters and worlds that he created um, and just really want to give particular um, recognition to the fact that he he one of the things that he brought all of us was flawed heroes and what I mean by that are uh, complicated heroes and villains um, it wasn't it wasn't just good guy versus bad guy. It was uh, like sort of complicated, well-meaning, but slightly megalomaniac Charles Xavier versus um, mostly bad, but sometimes well-meaning and certainly traumatically scarred uh, uh, Magneto or uh, Eric Lenscher. Um, and that was, that was and it remains such an important and powerful contribution and one that will continue to echo throughout storytelling canon. So thank you, Stanley, from all of us here at Starship Therapies. Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Therapies. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Yes. Yes. All right. I'll see what... Yes. I understand. Okay. Spock out. Spock! Sir? What have we said about cell phones on the bridge? That they are only to be allowed during non-peak coding hours and are strictly forbidden when Admiral Janeway visits. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's right. Thank you, Captain. Yeah, but you're never on the phone. Who are you even talking to? Sir, if you wanted to know to whom I was speaking, then why didn't you just ask rather than engage in an incorrect and highly illogical attempt to catch me in rule-breaking, which, as a Vulcan, I do not do? Uh, may I see your point? But you've got to admit, Spock, it's most unlike you to take a personal call on the bridge. And while you're on duty? That wasn't the initial point of concern, Captain. But yes, I will allow that it is most uncommon behavior on my part. Aha! Sir? Yes, exactly. You admit you're being weird. What is going on with you? Well, it's... Yes? As I'm sure you are aware, sir, the human holiday of Thanksgiving draws near and... Ooh, you've reconsidered my idea to do a fully musical show and are back on board ready to practice your scales? What? No, sir. I'm trying to explain that my mother, my... Earth Mother, is attempting to gather the family on Vulcan for a celebration of this arcane and, frankly, historically problematic holiday, and I'm just not interested. Oh, yeah, I see. And what exactly do you see, sir? The holiday gremlins. They got you down. Does this mean... Oh, yes! (laughs) A viewing of gremlins, too! A viewing of Gremlins too. <laughs> <laughs> but first, intros. I am Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. 
I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, beleaguered first officer, and I'm so excited to be watching Gremlins 2. Oh, I bet you are. Listeners, if you have not yet had the pleasure of watching Gremlins 2, the second batch, we... I, I think you mean you. Uh, yes. I strongly encourage you to pause this pod and watch the film and meet back here in... What would you say, Spock? Uh, yeah, you, you, about uh, hour forty-five minutes. That'll give us enough time to brush up too. Are you ready? Maybe Earth Thanksgiving wasn't such a bad idea after all. Engage. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was terrible. Yes, it was terrifically bad, wasn't it? Yet you sound so excited. Well, I mean, I am. This is the fucking perfect film to help us talk with viewers about the laughter and tears, struggles and triumphs of going home for the holidays. I mean, come on, Spock. Can you think of a story that exemplifies it better? I can honestly say no, sir. Exactly. But what is it about Gremlins 2 that offers us both a framework and a toolkit for approaching the holidays? You would say that if, if Gremlins one the og version um really has like a, a hard-hitting look at uh suburban psychosis with mm -hmm. just a, a real big helping of racism <laughs> we would say that gremlins 2 is about the softer side of suburbia via the critique of uh the urban metropolis with a heaping dose of sexism yeah, I think in this movie we get a good glimpse into how scary it is to be in urban areas and how dangerous it is to leave your suburban roots and go into the big city, which uh, for some of our listeners that may hit close to home with their experience with their families, you know, why, why did you leave the family roost and go into that urban environment away from us and where there are scary, mean people and everything is automated. I would say that even when we move to the city and move away from our hometown shenanigans, inevitably something's going to pop up and trigger us, reminding us of home. Ooh. And in this film, that something is the adorable Mogwai mm -hmm. Gizmo. And his less adorable ne'er-do-well gremlin children again this is because uh people do not understand the mogwai <laughs> but i digress that's that's true and and we'll circle back to that that part about understanding the mogwai but i do i want to like i want to go to that first part of what you were talking about um, cause I think that's, it's very poignant and very true. And my, I would imagine that it was probably going to like hit close to home for some of our listeners, this idea that I think many of us had this belief that, okay, well, maybe some very challenging things happened to me and my family of origin, but you know what? I have figured some stuff out. I've left, I've moved. Maybe I've gone to the next town over. Maybe I've moved states, countries, wherever. I've moved and I found perhaps this new, more restorative family of choice who understands me and gets me. I'm safe. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what happens for... 
so many folks, and if this has happened for you, of course it has, is the feeling that physical distance equals emotional distance. And they're just not Well the said, same. sir. Well Thank said. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We're so polite today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, physical distance is not the same as emotional distance. I would say, though, that I think that physical distance can give you perspective mm -hmm. um, on yourself, on your family of origin, on um, points of contention, and can help you kind of reflect um, on the on the past as you continue to to be in the infinite now of the present. But it isn't that sense. It isn't. It isn't unmitigated safety. I guess is what I'm trying to say, which I think it's it's very, very human to think, especially early on um, in our transition kind of into adulthood and into maybe a more autonomous life um, that we can we can think that physical distance and space is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, I, I absolutely agree with you. It can be hugely helpful, especially if your entire existence has been in this one place with these particular people and if you haven't experienced a lot of other people or culture or mm -hmm. insert different shit here, <laughs> that being somewhere new can really open your eyes to, oh, okay, that was super normal in my family, but do I want this to be in my life? Because I see, I see these other people living differently and I, I wonder if the way that my family and I interacted is serving me mm -hmm. because for many folks, it feels as though there's no other way to be than the way you learned how to be. So getting outside of your, your bubble, your comfort zone, your family of origin, your hometown is suddenly this view into how other people live and the possibility of how you might want to live. And you can start making some really intentional choices about what you want your life to look like. Mm -hmm. And of course, as I'm sure you would imagine here, sir, where my mind is immediately drawn to is our dear hapless friend, Billy. Oh, um, Billy. <clears throat> Billy, because, okay, so we, we see Billy and his girlfriend, maybe fiance, Kate, I, I'm unclear, um, I, okay, so uh, I, just the slightest mm -hmm. aside. Sure. Did, did you notice that it's all on Billy to move up at the company I so did. that then they can get married? I did, which I think is just incorrect and untrue <laughs> of the characters that were established in the original <laughs> Gremlins picture. Because, like, if, as I'm sure many of our listeners remember, um, Kate. Kate was the one positioned to be the breadwinner. Like she was holding down at least two different jobs, right? She was she was an up and coming bartender at night. Um, she was on the way to becoming at least assistant manager at the bank. Like she had her shit together. Billy was the one who was very like ho hum. I have this like little cubby for my dog at the bank. What am I doing with my life? But then like within the first like ten minutes of Gremlins two, she's she's reduced to this like. I don't know, Bob haircut that I guess was supposed to be cool. And and she's like a tour guide, basically, at this huge uh, apartment complex slash corporate center that I think can only be described as, you know, a foreshadowing of Google. But in this case, it was in New York City, I think. 
Yeah, it felt Trumpian to me. Fair. You know, maybe if like Trump and Google had a had a love child. Um <laughs> A love gremlin, if you will, but yeah. I, I I digress. The the reason I was drawn to Billy is that Billy does something, I think having physical space, he does something different than what we're talking about with it, right? So rather than it granting him some perspective, which I, I do think, I mean, I'm really reading into Kate and her characterization because as we mentioned, there's lots of sexism in gremlins too. But I, I think that like Kate perhaps was gaining some perspective on um, their their hometown and trying to think more rationally um, about hometown versus the city. But Billy does this thing with space and time where he approaches his memories growing up in suburbiaville through rose-tinted glasses, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's working at this company. He's in like the marketing department. And you see him like creating this map of of it, of basically his suburban town 2.0. And he waxes lyrical to anyone who will listen to him about how <laughs> wonderful his hometown was and how much he misses it and how he's just working hard to make it big in the city so he can go back. Mm. And here's the thing. If that was really Billy's truth, that's his truth. I'm not mm -hmm. here to judge people's truths, but because I have seen Gremlins 1, thanks to the captain, I know. <laughs> like, so welcome. Like you're, yes. I really can't ever thank you enough. <laughs> but what I and so many of our listeners know is that Billy's hometown was a mess. There was rampant unemployment. There seemed to be some kind of like opioid crisis going down afflicting many of the housewives <laughs> his father absolutely <laughs> i love that interpretation i mean his his father and mother had a highly problematic dysfunctional marriage I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin with his dad, but like my point in all of this is that Billy uses distance as a way to distance himself emotionally from like the turmoil and pain that was very real to him when he was growing up and coming of age within his family of origin. So some of you might be thinking, Larissa, like what's the big deal, right? Because if it makes him happy, it makes him happy. I think the problem lies in when he returns to Life Day for Life Day or for Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, whatever his family celebrates. I, I bet there's some <clears throat> Mogwai holiday that we don't know about yet. Oh, I bet there is. Maybe that's in Gremlins 3. Please don't make me watch Gremlins 3. <laughs> is there a third one? On MovieWeb, as of April 17th, 2018, they posted an article um, referencing director Chris Columbus saying that Gremlins 3 will be a full reboot. Oh, God. <laughs> like, so, like soon? <laughs> well, unfortunately, MovieWeb will not allow me to load the page unless I accept their cookies. And spoiler alert, I won't. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Woo. We got off topic. What were we talking about? We were talking about Billy going home. That's right. So, okay. The problem with approaching childhood strife from an adult perspective of rose-tinted glasses is that when you return home, which the like logically at some point you probably will do, you're going to come in contact with 
problematic elements that you experienced from your childhood. And if you haven't been reckoning with those in maybe an emotionally honest manner, they may catch you off guard in a very similar way that Gizmo is caught off guard. Mm-hmm. When what happens? The water gets thrown on him again. Gizmo. Let, let's move to Gizmo's arc just for a minute, because sure. I mean, he does not get nearly the screen time he deserves in this film. <laughs> um, be- <laughs> but he has a fucking tragic story here. He does. Uh, yeah. So his his keeper, Mr. Ming, uh dies i love that you've remembered his keeper's name (laughs) i think that's very sweet (laughs) well (laughs) that's his name uh (laughs) they have a great relationship um so gizmo gizmo's had a pretty sweet life actually i mean we don't know what it's like to be a free Mogwai and maybe that's, that's what we get in Gremlins 3 although I guess we get a f- full reboot what is it like for Mogwai where they live what is it like in Mogwai land anyway it must be a desert right because it is water droplets that causes them mm-hmm. to it's not really breeding it's just like giving birth to a series of kind of like bizarro world clones right. so I would so imagine probably- that it yeah, no, go ahead. They burrow. The they, they, they burrow right. during the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They must burrow. And there can't be a lot of, like, you know, condensation or dampness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if they don't like light, then they're nocturnal. And then why wouldn't they eat after midnight? Anyway, there's inconsistencies. <laughs> no doubt that will be addressed in the <laughs> reboot that Chris Columbus is currently manning. And I can only imagine what he'll tackle after he's tackled, you know, racism, sexism, classism, homophobia. There's just so many options. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Anyway, uh, so we Gizmo seems to have a pretty great life with Mr. Ming. Uh, you know, he, he seems to live in a little cage, but he seems happy. Like, he's not stuck in that cage. He just hangs out there. It seems like he can get out if he wants to. Um so maybe it's not a cage, it's like an enclosure, uh, a gizmo enclosure. Um, but Mr. Ming dies, you guys, yeah. if you haven't watched it. Um, and Gizmo wears a god's damn black band on his arm when Mr. Ming dies. He does. He does. It is the saddest. It's the literal saddest. Yes. Um, Don't be fooled by the captain's laughter. She was genuinely touched. Yeah. My laughter is absurdity. It's absurdism. That's what Mm -hmm. the laughter is. Um, But he's genuinely sad. Like he, he is weeptastically sad. Mm -hmm. And then um, his, his home gets demolished because uh, capitalism. Yeah. Because of capitalism. And then he's displaced and then he gets taken to a lab to be right. studied to be studied and probably what he was going to be cloned but then he was going to be cloned but first they had to kill him before they could clone him because they needed to explore his organs mm-hmm. and while they're like narrating this they have him do this like cute little dance um <laughs> that is just disconcerting <laughs> yeah so so talk about uh your world being thrust into chaos which mm-hmm. is how i got here 
right. um, is it, poor Gizmo's entire world is thrust into chaos. He he loses his father figure. Yeah. And then he loses his home. And I mean, he's just he's a very affable little fella. So you play music and he's going to dance. But is there joy in his heart? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and he it seems like, no, his feet are dancing, but his yeah. eyes are sad. Mm-hmm. But he literally yeah. can't go home again. And then Billy wow. finds him. He sure does. And, and suddenly Gizmo has a sense of home again. It's so sad. Where are we going with this? Let's just pause a moment and ask ourselves, where are we going with Gizmo and his sadness? Because we've talked about like distance and space away from family of origin and that it can either help you gain perspective or it can help you basically live in denial. Mm-hmm. Both of which are complex if you plan to like return and then see yeah. your family of origin. And now we have Gizmo who is who has lost mm-hmm. the only family that he has ever known. Well, and he's he's thrust out of it. He didn't choose to leave. Sure. No, he would have. It seems like he would have stayed and happily mm-hmm. so in his little cage where he was watching Rambo. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we we don't know if um, if he was happy in his family, it's in his family of choice or uh, kidnapping. I don't know. Uh, right. Probably their Stockholm syndrome. Right. I mean, it seems like there's something, though. I mean, if I think about both one and two, he genuinely seems to have affection for Mr. Ming. And when Mr. Ming mm-hmm. is gone, he I mean, he's absolutely sad. Mm-hmm. So it, I guess it seems more like I'm going to go out on a limb here. But I, I, I my interpretation, my read would be that Mr. Ming is his protector. Mm-hmm. Mr. Ming is his like his pseudo father, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so... I think you're right. He didn't choose to leave. He probably would have stayed there. But that choice was taken from him and he is thrust into a, well, I guess, cruel and uncaring metropolis. Yeah. So the the thing about Gizmo is, and I could talk about him all day, obviously, um, but he was, he was thrust out. He very out. much speaks to you, sir. He does. He very much speaks to me. Um, he was thrust out of his home against his wishes and for some listeners that may be resonant um because maybe you don't have contact with your family not Mm -hmm. because that's what you want but because that's just what what it is whether that's because of death or distance or um differing personal views um and for that reason Maybe Gizmo's story resonates with you a bit um, on the importance of finding your chosen family so that you're not alone at the holidays. Right. Well, and I think that also kind of brings up sort of a nice like side by side foil between what's going on for Billy and Katie versus what's going on for Gizmo. And then like from there, what is happening for I think many of our listeners um, out in the world is that there is that real struggle of being an adult or an emerging adult who has made choices to go out and actualize your own life separate from your family of origin. And then what it is to return to your family, to visit them, to spend time with them in particular around the holidays. But then there is that very different, but equal struggle when you don't have the option Mm 
mm-hmm. to return to your suburbia of old. Um, mm-hmm. That's that is not open to you, and that that is that is a challenging, a hard, and complicated thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where the gremlins <laughs> come in. They sure do. <laughs> And there's so many of them. There's so much more of them in this in this <laughs> holiday special um, than there was in the the original. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There's mm-hmm. so many in this one, and they are so upsetting, profoundly upsetting, right? And and just so. Um, I mean, we. We don't have as much racism in this, mm-hmm. um, but we but we certainly have some ableism. Some yes. some of those some of those gremlins are clearly uh, dealing with some stuff that would you would not fly uh, today <laughs> to present. <laughs> well, well said. What a what a neutral <laughs> way of packaging that, sir. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Yeah, but the the gremlins uh, appear when again Gizmo's self care is not respected. Oh, now yeah. nor does know. A, and I think in this one too, and I apologize for interrupting, but it's not no. just his self care; it's also I think his autonomy and his right to uh, exist. Of course, it is. Great yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, his very autonomy is not respected. His very existence mm-hmm. is not respected. No. And I think some listeners are going to know what that feels like when you go home yeah. and suddenly you are not a grown ass adult. You suddenly are being treated and probably even feel like a child again. Right. And it, it's just like Gizmo getting splashed with water. Mm-hmm. You are you are going to erupt into tiny rage monsters. Right. Right. And there's going to be sadness that goes along with that because mad inevitably makes sad. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be frustration. And this is where we get into, you know, the middle to the start of the third act of Gremlins 2. And things are just a mess because it's hard enough when we don't feel like we have the ability to care for ourselves when we go home for the holidays but it's kind of it's it's quite another more deeply painful and complicated thing when we feel like we don't even fully have the ability to exist and be who we are that who we are and who we who we've become is not respected or allowed or invited in so we've described i think two maybe not extreme but maybe somewhat more polarized situations that that commonly arise during going home for the holidays um one being when you are able to go back right um but you feel complicated about it um because going home to your family means bringing up complicated and sometimes painful memories We've also talked a bit about what can happen when you have maybe idealized your childhood or idealized your family and then you go home and you are faced with the reality of your family. And that means seeing and experience them fully, warts and all. And then we've also talked about 
that complicated experience when you either simply cannot go home at all because like Gizmo, that choice was taken from you or you, you know, you would, you attempt to go home to the maybe family of origin that you have left and they, they are not able to see you and, and or accept you for who and what you truly are. Right. But I think there's another situation to talk about here. Um, that you actually mentioned right off the bat when we were rewatching this. Um, <laughs> and that happens between Gizmo and Kate, right? Mm, because very mm-hmm. early in the film, it's Kate's job to go back up to the offices and collect Gizmo and bring him home. <clears throat> and had she been able to do that, we wouldn't have the, the joyous experience that is watching Gremlins 2. Um, <laughs> but Kate is not able to do that. What Kate does is she goes up and she confuses one of the newly formed Mogwai for Gizmo. And I believe that your point to me via text was uh, that obviously, clearly, this Mogwai was not Gizmo. It's so, it's obvious. Yes, that's very true, sir. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is a great example of something that can happen too when we go home is that well-meaning family members confuse us for sometimes outright confuse us for other family members Mm. or they confuse us for past versions of ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And they respond to us as if we are still Sally with pigtails, as opposed to Stuart who just took bronze in the national bodybuilding competition. How was that? No, that was really good. I just, I didn't know how to respond. Okay. Uh, So here's my idea. I think we've like mapped out all these different things that can happen when you go home. Mm -hmm. How might we we use Gremlins 2, that classic of early 90s cinema, (laughs) (laughs) Um, as a way to help ourselves? Because one of the big things we talked about with the original gremlins back when we talked about it and god when what episode was that all right so it was episode four in episode four one of the big things we talked about was how we can use the metaphor of gremlins um to understand our anxiety and how anxiety Mm -hmm. impacts us and affects us and then what we can do with this kind of framework to if we can't make the the gremlins go away entirely to at least kind of like cut down on the number. Mm-hmm. Right. So how might we use gremlins too as a way to, I don't know, equip us to successfully mm-hmm. move through the holidays? Yeah. Well, I think maybe considering this as harm reduction, oh. how are we going to reduce the harm? Because mm-hmm. we can't always keep gremlins from forming. Like, I know, you know, obviously it was not okay that these business people took Gizmo and held him captive. No, it was not okay. It was not okay. Also, I mean, although you can totally understand him when he talks, people pretend like they can't. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, you, you, I feel like in another life advocate for, for Gizmo all the way. (laughs) You're well, ready. Because he does this. He goes, oh, Rambo. Like, you know, he just said Rambo. 
<laughs> True. But Mr. Ming's like, you're watching TV again. Uh, I don't know why Mr. Ming is a 1920s <laughs> gangster voice. I don't know um, either. And I also don't know why his um, ideas around parenting are so like 1990s suburban dad. <laughs> But we we digress. (laughs) Yeah, but because Gizmo, because people can't understand Gizmo's communication, Mm -hmm. he isn't able, they aren't able to understand that he can't get wet or be fed after midnight or be in the the light. I mean, the thing about the light is he just kind of like uh, puts a hand over his eyes and they're like, oh, you don't like the light, buddy? Okay, we can learn that. Um, So it it was well-meaning. It was unintended that Gizmo mm-hmm. got wet in the first place. Sure. Um, and we got three uh, or four new Mogwai. Mm-hmm. And when you've got three or four, that's manageable. Right? We c- If we can put all of those little dudes in a basket, we can probably keep this from getting too bad. Um, and... <laughs> Lars is losing her shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I was just, you know, imagining uh, the captain home for the holidays with her little basket of <laughs> of Mogwai friends, and it it was a it was a powerful visual. <clears throat> Please continue. Well, and the thing is, I talk to clients about this. We talk about the basket. This that's is be- that's ba- beautiful. It's a metaphor that I use, mm-hmm. which is when when they start crawling out of the basket, how do you put them back in? Sure. And o- only you know what helps put your mogwai or gremlins back in their basket. Mm-hmm. And for some people, I, I know for me, when I'm having a hard time, I need to take a deep breath. That is the first thing I need to do. That's how I start putting gremlins in baskets is pausing Mm -hmm. and taking some deep breaths. Yeah. (sighs) Mm Mm-hmm. Just Mm -hmm. like that. Suddenly, suddenly you have a little bit more control. And if we're able to slow down and put those few buddies in the basket, they aren't able to run around and create the fucking gremlin horde that they create gremlins too. That happens. Right. In the, in the middle to final act of gremlins too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause once the, once the gremlins are totally running amok, they're just going to make more gremlins. That's what they do. That's what they know how to do. So how do we, how do we reduce the harm? Mm-hmm. So I welcome you friends at home. Um, to give this some thought before you head home to the for the holidays mm-hmm. or engage with family at the holidays. Maybe you're not going home, but maybe you're meeting up or they're coming to your house. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you know help lure those gremlins back into the basket? Right. Because it's it's not overwhelmingly realistic to think that you won't encounter any mogwai this holiday season the reality is that you will and you know sometimes it's going to be because of 
devious, intentional capitalism, mm-hmm. as it is in Gremlins too. And sometimes it's going to be because of a well-meaning but overworked and and serious PTSD suffering, you know, relative like it is with Kate, right? <laughs> and what I mean by that is that like there's Mogwai are going to come out sometimes because. Um, we all have family members who hurt us by accident. And some of us even have family members who hurt us on purpose. And one of, I think, the real realities of getting large groups of people together is that mistakes are going to happen. And we are going to maybe confuse Gizmo for his, you know, goggly eyed and maniacally laughing son. Right. Um, (laughs) And that's, that is going to feel bad and that's going to cause problems, but understanding and I think radically accepting that that will happen can help us make a plan before we either host or attend a large holiday gathering and help us figure out, okay, what are some things that I know are going to be helpful to me when my Mogwai and or Gremlins come out, kind of get them all together and put them in a basket. What are things that I know that are going to be helpful to me? And then I think sometimes the second step is figuring out, okay, these are things that are helpful to me. Am I going to be able to do that wherever I'm at? Mm -hmm. Right? Because one of the things that is very helpful for me is to like, go do yoga. Now, am I going to be able to do yoga when I'm at the middle of like my mother's Thanksgiving that she's hosting for Lord knows what reasons on Vulcan? No, that's not, (laughs) that's not an option. Um, she's gonna, you know, be expecting me to be present from all times, (laughs) but something I would be able to do would be to take five minutes, go outside and mindfully walk around. Mm -hmm. Right. And part of what this means is going to be paying attention to both yourself and your family members to be able to like catch, oh, there goes the Mogwai, there goes the Gremlin. And then I think the third piece too is really trying to practice, practice extending compassion first and foremost to you, yourself, because this, this really is challenging. I think we get a lot of messaging and pressure around the holidays about how it should be or would be or will be, and that it's just nice and wonderful. And certainly parts of it are nice and wonderful. Um, it's really nice and wonderful when Gizmo is like cute and doing his little beepy voice that I, I am not going to try and mimic, but that the captain really channels beautifully. Um, but there are also, but there are lots of like really hard things that happen for, for Gizmo too. And so being compassionate with yourself that both things are going to exist and going to happen this holiday season. And then as you're able to extend compassion to both friends and family, because there are many occasions in which they're doing their best. Certainly not every occasion, mm-hmm. but there are some. Yeah. That was beautifully said. Oh, thank you. <laughs> for, for friends at home, Spock, what, what should they be looking up on the Google? I would say yet again, some self-care. We talked about that here. Uh, family of origin and related to family of origin are going to be three key thinkers, some of whom we've mentioned before, some of whom we are mentioning for the first time. And now we're all going to pause while I try not to butcher their names. First, we have Carl (laughs) Whitaker. (laughs) Second, we have Murray Bowen. Mm -hmm. And third, we have Monica McGoldrick. Oh, you 
you did great. I've been practicing. <laughs> we may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are Rambo. Tune in for our next ep on The Trilogy Continues, Die Hard, How the Holidays Bring Us Back Together. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live live long long and and prosper. I, I, I missed my calling. I should have been a voiceover artist. You, you would have been great. And here's the thing. It sounds like Chris Columbus is going to be doing Gremlins 3, <laughs> so it's not too late. Hey, hey, Chris Columbus. <laughs> uh, have you heard my gizmo impression? It's pretty good. Rambo, live long and prosper. Rambo. <laughs>